welcome to the Game of Crowdfunding Interview Edition, recorded March 13th, 2014. We're back with another interview in the New Geek Compound, the first interview in the New Geek Compound. This is kind of exciting. And uh, who is joining me for the first interview in the New Geek Compound on Skype? It's Josh Bricker from the Flux Capacity, and I had no idea this was the first one. I feel pretty honored. It is. Uh, we just recorded the first actual full episode here last night, and we had a guest come on to make an announcement, but you are the first full-blown game of crowdfunding interview that uh, has happened since we've moved to the new location. Very cool. You know, there's a bunch of really cool things actually off of this one. It's the first time for that. March happens to be the All Us Geeks two-year anniversary month. So this will be two years we've been doing podcasts. Do you know the exact date? Is it like March coming up soon? March 16th. Whoa, that's right yep. coming up. That's that, awesome. Well, that, congratulations on that. Yeah. That was the uh, first published episode of All Us Geeks was March 16th. And, of course, to help us celebrate, the Flux Capacity and All Us Geeks are co-sponsoring a contest at the moment. <laughs> That's right. We just launched it a couple of minutes ago, actually. <laughs> yeah. So you, uh, if you are interested, uh, go check it out on the allusgeeks.com page. It's uh, sticky to the top. It's the current contest. But Josh has decided that, uh, you know, he's got a campaign going right now, Kickstarter campaign, which is why we're going to have this conversation here in a second. But he's giving away a copy of Give It to the King, which was his previous successful Kickstarter. So go on, check that out. It's a contest like we normally run. So it's got a lot of different options running through Rafflecopter, including the always popular simple uh, option. Just go in there, give it a click, and you get one entry. But of course, all the other ones, add, however many entries you want to add in, there's, you know, liking us, liking Flux Capacity, following both of us on Facebook and Twitter, and of course, the daily tweets if you want even more. And so definitely check that out. All right. And then above and beyond that, too, another thing that's kind of cool is, Josh, you're a return guest, sir. Yes, I'm pretty happy to be back. This time we got a different project called Gone Viking on Kickstarter. And, uh, yeah, we wanted to share our uh, our stuff with your audience and kind of get the word out on the project. You were with us before, so we're going to kind of skip uh, some of the stuff that we're not going to rehash, like uh, some of the stuff that we talked about last time. But just in general, why don't you uh, give my listeners a uh, another intro to the Flux Capacity and, and basically the uh, story behind the Flux Capacity coming to be? Sure. Kind of a short story, actually, because we've only been around for just about a year now. I think it was actually February, March of 2013 when I met Francois at a uh, local game designer night at our friendly Snakes and Lattes Cafe, which I'm sure everybody's heard of by this point. And uh, they have like a awesome sort of uh, supportive environment there for game designers and, and local community and such. And uh, anyway, we met there. I was trying to kind of think about getting a game of my own put together because I had sort of this goal of running a Kickstarter for something. And turns out I'm not a very good game designer. So uh, it was awesome to find people that are. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we started working on the Give It to the King project with Francois had pretty much done already. So that was sort of, you know, an easy first choice for us to get going and give it a try. And uh, anyway, 
I think last time I talked a little bit about how we had launched one campaign and, and we had to restructure it and come back and, and we did pretty well on our second shot at it and it got funded. So, uh, you know, another reason for having these contests is we're just kind of thanking everybody for supporting the campaign and also trying to get the awareness out about our next project, which is the Gone Viking and also some future projects we have coming out. So we're, this is a big year for us. We're really trying to sort of get things moving for the company. Yep. And it is contests, plural, because we want to talk about that one as well. The Flux Capacity is also sponsoring a contest over on the Game Crafter, which I believe I mentioned either on the epi- uh, the next episode coming out or in the Geek News, so you'll hear it there as well. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that contest? Sure. This contest is so cool. I met JT from the Game Crafter last year at Protospiel in uh, Ann Arbor and played a lot of different games with him, including an awesome one he made. And then there were some people around with games that they had made through the Game Crafter. So I started started getting interested in what they were up to. Turns out they have this awesome community of uh, game designers. I just thought, you know what, it's like really cool to have a community like that. We want to support that in any way we can. And uh, hey, we're also looking for awesome game projects to publish. So what we did was we talked to JT about kind of what has traditionally happened with projects. And there's been, you know, some that you've run and some that other people have run and and they have great prizes and things like that. But we kind of wanted to do our, a unique spin on that. And so actually the pri- the grand prize for that contest is a publishing contract with us. So we're really trying to trying to embrace that community there and over at the Game Crafter because they got some pretty cool things going on. Yeah, it's it's a pretty cool contest and I know uh it's it's kind of unique in a lot of different ways. This is probably one of the contests that has probably the highest component price that you can do for a game that I've seen in a while for one. Yeah, well, we're not looking for like a smaller game. We're definitely looking for a, a larger bulky size game. So we just wanted to I mean, it's a maximum number as well, right? We're not saying right. that people can't make it for less than that. It's just I think when JT and I talked about it, it was like how do we sort of imply that we want a meteor game we're not looking for a small card game we have a few of those coming out over the next year so it just wouldn't fit into our line but yeah you're right it is it is looking like a component wise a more expensive venture for some people i guess and then of course the fact that there is a publishing contract with it as well is pretty exciting so i know there's quite a bit of talk about that and uh, i know quite a few people that are uh, looking forward to their entries or have already put in their entries, all that good stuff. So there's a lot of good buzz around this one since, uh, you know, I, I tend to sit over on the Game Crafter chat quite a bit <laughs> since I, I moderate over there. Why, why don't you go and design a game too, Jim? <laughs> I've done, I've done, <laughs> done that sort of, just not sort publicly. <laughs> yeah. We've, we, we've had those conversations off and on, on, on the podcast here. And I don't, uh, don't want to hash on it too much, but. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, it's cool. Even if you're not working on games, it's just a cool kind of chat room to hang out to see what other people are up to. I know I'm, I hang out there uh, here and that, here and then and, and just listen to what people are saying and what kind of game ideas they have. But yeah, we're totally stoked about it. I was a little nervous at first thinking, oh my goodness, I'm offering a publishing contract. <laughs> like, is this crazy or not? I don't know. But I, I, after I looked at a bunch of games, I actually put an order for, um, about half a dozen of their games. Some of the ones that you guys had in the contest and things like that that had a little bit of press and some that uh, JT recommended I check out and it made me feel much more comfortable about the idea. There are definitely some great games and game designers over on the Game Crafter. Uh, totally. I, you know, I, I don't participate a lot other than, other you know, like the one that we judged and stuff, but us and Father Geek, of course. Yep. But, I'm always excited when the contests kind of start 
coming down to the end end time because then I get to see all these just really amazing games that people came up with and it's it's just always cool and it was kind of cool to be on that other end but what you have don't yeah don't get nervous now what where you get ner- where you get nervous is and you don't get nervous but it uh, jokingly where you get nervous is when it's actually time to judge because depending on the number of entries you know you you pick seven and and there's everybody else will tell you why you picked wrong <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I guess that's probably the fallout. But hey, that just means that you know maybe they can enter another contest with it, right? So, yeah. so uh, speaking of end date, this one uh, they have to get them in. Is it May twenty seventh? Yeah, we we did it for two and a half months to make sure that people had enough time to put together a either sort of rehash an idea that they already had for a game, but just get it to like a published sort of state or come up with something completely new. So we didn't want to make it a real short contest or anything. Uh, and like most things, I'll put uh, all the relevant links in the show notes as well. So if you want to just hit the show notes, you can check out that, the contest we have over on All Us Geeks. And, uh, of course, the Kickstarter we're going to talk about here in a little bit. So all, all oh. of that stuff will be in the show notes. Perfect. So, Josh, let's get into some meat here. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think uh, a good place for you and I to start having our conversation might be, you know, when we last talked, like like you had kind of said, was when you had done the relaunch for Give It to the King and you were out uh, trying to get some additional promotion for that. And we talked about your relaunch and, and what that meant for you. So how about we pick up, you know, you had a successful project. What landed in your lap after that? What did you, what kind of lessons did you learn post Kickstarter? Again, I think you asked me questions about lessons learned last time. And my, my response is probably the same. Do we have enough time to talk about them all? <laughs> but the major ones, I suppose, we had so much in line on that second one that we were, that we had learned from the first one that there wasn't too many additional uh, lessons learned. But what we're learning now is some, some of the sort of fulfillment things that could can and possibly go wrong things that we kind of expected but were hoping wouldn't happen for instance the odd copy of give it to the king had a printing problem or something like that but we replaced that right away for those people who presented the showed us pictures or whatever of the situation that they were in with their copy there was some logistical things with the fulfillment that were just they weren't real problems they were just more organizational things that we had to go through. We partnered up actually with Snakes and Lattes here to do that. And they've been great in terms of getting all the games out to everybody. And by now, everyone should have their copy of Give It to the King. We haven't had any emails lately saying that they haven't received them. So I'm thinking that they're all out there. Other lessons... I don't know. I think that the the same sort of rules apply. Like, make sure your social media stuff is in, in line before you launch your campaign. This time we promoted it a little earlier. So we got a preview page up there for people to see even earlier than the last time. And if we run, or we are going to run another Kickstarter in the next couple months, but what we want to do with that is get that going almost immediately after the Gone Viking campaign ends in April. So I think we're just kind of, we learned that you can't be too prepared. And the more feedback and the more kind of push of all your links and stuff that you can get out early, the better it is for the campaign. You had the project that wasn't successful, and then you retooled and had a successful project. So you actually had to go through, you answered some of this, but you had to go through the manufacturing and fulfillment process this time around and dealing with it from fulfilling it for Kickstarter customers. And I was just wondering if there's anything in there that you kind of weren't expecting or became a got you at any point. I think there was a big snowstorm that I wasn't expecting for (laughs) the shipment. That was kind of a, a big hit to us. We actually got almost a week and a half behind schedule because of that one 
I don't know if you guys got hit. Probably you're in Minnesota, right? Uh, unfortunately, yes. Yes. So I think you guys got hit by the same thing we got hit with. And, uh, that set us back a week or a week and a half. And I mean, there's nothing you can do about it, but the shipping from, we got the games made in China. So the shipping from China to the U.S. went pretty seamlessly. But then once it sort of ended up in the U.S., it kind of like went here, stayed for a day or two, went there, stayed for a day. Like it wasn't as fast as we thought it was. So that was, you know, and if I can offer some advice to people doing this, give yourself plenty of shipping time. <laughs> plenty. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's actually pretty good then. Cause, uh, you know, a lot of times what you'll, you'll hear or what you'll see, right. You'll start seeing updates where, Oh, we didn't expect this. Oh, we didn't expect that. You know what I mean? So uh, somebody that it, it, it pretty much kind of looks like didn't maybe do all of the research they probably should have into the shipping, you know, manufacturing side of things. You know, it, for instance, the one that I don't think anybody should ever post that they didn't know anymore is the, uh, like the Chinese New Year. Oh yeah, that one's pretty common. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, you can't really say at this point you had no clue that was happening and, and that, you know, there would be that lag time and you didn't build it in that kind of stuff. So it sounds like, sounds like you had a lot of that stuff pretty much, uh, in line and, and you were, your timeline was pretty good other than, like you said, the snowstorm, which you couldn't help at all. Well, the truth is there's such a wealth of information out there now for running a Kickstarter campaign. It's really hard to get caught with your pants down. I mean, unless you don't read it, right? Like there's so much information that people have access to and so many awesome people that have that run successful projects that are very willing to share the information with everybody. So I 100% agree with you. And yet just, what was it, last week, filling in people on stuff like Kickstarter gives you a preview link? <laughs> it's like, eh. That's key. The let's, preview link let, is key. Let's take a step back. That's right. Yes. <laughs> we, we might need to go a little farther back in this consulting. <laughs> One of the things I'm doing a little bit more on this campaign that I read about from other people, though, is like monitoring where the traffic is coming from a little bit more because sometimes you can shape where you're doing your posts and your marketing a bit better with that. So I'm using a lot of like Google short links and things like that, which is really helpful. So, I mean, I read about that, I think, on What's his name? Stagmire. Jamie Stagmire. Jamie Stagmire's yep. web. Yeah, he's got so many updates. I think he's on like update number 90 or something on his website. <laughs> yeah, it's he's, great. He's put a, a lot of great stuff out there. Yeah. Between him, I think the two that are mentioned all the time, obviously, are J Jamie Stagmire over at Stonemire Games and, of course, James Matthew. Of course, yeah. Those are the two that are constantly thrown around. And, of course, some of our stuff and, of course, Richard Bliss. Yep. The, the four I hear all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the most important is the All Us Geeks. Uh... No, 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 no. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I definitely was not fishing for that. I, I, I send people to the other three as well <laughs> it, yeah, when they start talking to me. Yeah, those guys are awesome. And they know their stuff so well that uh, it's, it's an easy read. They're not like lengthy kind of crazy posts. They're just like to the point, this is what we learned. This is how you should you know, benefit from this information and uh, good luck on your projects, that sort of thing. All right, so you had a a pretty smooth transition then for uh, for your manufacturing and shipping and fulfillment and stuff. Do you have like uh, aftermarket going? What what's your aftermarket look like then on uh, Give It to the King right now? Sure, we actually did kind of an interim thing, but just before it went to uh, just before it it showed up here, we did a pre order for the game itself. But also, um, I don't know if you remember on our last campaign, we tried to hit a stretch goal for these cool figurines. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. And uh, so we really wanted to make sure these figurines were made. So I hired a local 
sculptor who was sort of proficient in making resin figures, and he made a bunch of them for us. So we pre-sold them. That was kind of like an interim thing we were doing before the game arrived, and we sold quite a few of them. I actually have none left. I'm waiting for the next kind of shipment to come in, so that was pretty cool. And now the game is showing up in stores, so we are like doing full distribution now, which is awesome. Nice. I do remember recently, because we do travel in some of the same Facebook groups. <laughs> so I do remember recently you reaching or uh, answering somebody about you opening up a manufacturing side of the flux capacity. Yeah, we're sort of in a like starting a strategic partnership with our printer in China. They're looking at sort of expanding a little bit more into North America and getting a bit out there. So we're, we are sort of talking about that with them right now. I'm actually going to China in three weeks to meet with them. And yeah, we're, we have a few, we haven't really made it too public yet. It's not a problem that it's not. And we're talking about it now. It's no big deal, but we have a few people that have been looking to get quotes through us and it's great. We're just trying to like refine the communication stream a little bit so that we can get quotes as fast as we possibly can to people. The other thing that we're kind of working on is trying to make it so that we can get shorter print runs because most of the people contacting me right now are Kickstarter people who don't want to do, you know, 1,500, 2,000, 3,000 copies. They want to have that option to do 500 to 1,000 if they, if they only reach their funding goal or something. So we're working in a way to do that. And uh, we're kind of doing that with uh, consolidation of shipping. So my plan for, um, for the flux capacity is to do two or three shipments per year and sort of piggyback whatever I can for other people on that to help them out. Because again, the real point of the flux capacity is this sort of community-driven approach to it. We're looking at working with as many people as we possibly can on that. Okay. So let me ask you, I mean, what's your overall end goal vision then for flux capacity? What what do you see it becoming? Ruler of the universe. There you go. Okay, we're done. Talk to you later, Jeff. (laughs) I can give you the Canadian. Uh, he, he'll probably be the VP for you there, of ruler of the universe. He'll be on oh, board. Yeah. Don't you have a token Canadian? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I do. I do. I knew I was talking to you, so I couldn't have him over tonight. We're only allowed one Canadian voice on this podcast. Uh, you don't want to break the uh, the record or something <laughs> for having too many of us on one podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. No, um, the vision is, I don't know. I, I mean, I work full time, just like probably most of the startup people in this business. And it'd be nice to have this as a career. I don't know if that's possible, but mostly it's really about finding awesome games and awesome local games as much as we possibly can or games that are coming out of cool communities, such as the Game Crafter and things like that. Like we really want to look at kind of bringing those interesting games to the market. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm looking at being a publisher just like anyone else. But uh, yeah, we're really trying to do as much local as we can. I mean, I say that even though we're getting stuff printed in China, this, <laughs> it's uh, it's kind of a, the only option at this point because of the cost to do it locally. But I, I think that eventually, if we could, we would print it here. Well, you know, you you mentioned uh, the one person that you are is your kind of one of your go tos for research and stuff, which would be Jamie Stegmeyer, and, and he recently uh, transitioned into full time game publisher himself. So it is possible if done smartly it is and possible, yeah. strategically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, and that'd be great. I mean, like I said, we have a bunch of games planned for this year for us. And if we can print a few of other people's games at the same time, that's great for everybody's shipping costs. But our sort of goal is to have, you know, half a dozen titles under our name by maybe this time next year, which would be, it's our, it's, it's a, it's not an easy goal, but that's what we're aiming for. 
right now, though, let's let's go ahead and and talk a little bit about Gone Viking. Sure. Why don't you give the uh, high level overview of what Gone Viking is, and then I do have a question for you uh, concerning okay. uh, the Kickstarters you've run so far. Sure. So Gone Viking, the one project we have on Kickstarter right now, is um, it's a trick taking game at heart, but it's got kind of a rich Viking theme to it. And the way we sort of integrated that Viking theme with a trick-taking game is we made the goal of the trick-taking element of the game is to collect these plunder tokens. So there's four suits in Gone Viking, and each suit has a um, an item associated with it. Each suit also has a Viking god associated with it, which is the top card in that suit. So I'll explain the kind of unique elements of Gone Viking. The first one is that when you take tricks with, uh, say, the hammer suit, you earn a hammer token. The goal of the game is to reach a certain amount of tokens depending on how many players you have in the game. However, every time you finish a round, which is like all the tricks have been done for that round, this nasty Viking Jarl comes after the person who's the richest guy and takes half of their unprotected wealth away from them. So it's really cool, and you need to come in second in this game if you plan on winning. (laughs) With that said, the standard trick-taking model is take tricks, take tricks, take tricks, win as many as you can. Uh, in Gone Viking, it's not about winning tricks all the time. It's about winning certain tricks because when you take one trick of every suit, you can transfer those tokens in to get a ship, which is like the way to protect your resources so that nasty Jarl can't take away your tokens. The other thing that is cool about this game is that we've put something in there to make it easier to take specific tricks and that's what we call boosting it's where you can play two cards of the same suit together to equal a higher number like a five and a two you can play it as a seven so you need to take certain tricks at certain times in this game in order to win as well at certain points in the game you actually want to give away tricks to make other players richer so you don't necessarily want to win them all the final thing that sort of makes god viking stand out are these god cards now the god cards also have a numerical value it's the highest card in the suit but they also have powers associated with them so when they're in play during tricks each god will do something different for instance the loki card will make it so that the lowest card wins the trick the odin card makes it so that the player with that god in front of them can call trump so it really changes the game a lot you have to kind of master how to use these gods in order to you know be opportunistic about what their powers are and then um, the richest player at the end wins so that last round is pretty chaotic because a lot of the time you're really trying to put someone else in front so that you can come in second place and yeah it's cool that way (laughs) nice hopefully here uh we'll be doing a preview video jordan and i are trying to arrange some time to get a couple plays in i got a a copy here thanks to josh and uh, we'll be taking a look at that as soon as we can get it together we need to make sure we can get at least three people together so that's our our big thing right now (laughs) Yes, but the dog might not be a good competitor, but you never know. You can let them play. <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> but luckily, like my fiance is a big, uh, you know, she comes from a family that's very big into card games. So cool. I, I think she's on board. We just need to find time that we can all get together. And I think Jordan's wife would be on board as well. So we, we'll, well, can- we'll get it done. Pull up a few boxes in your basement, sit there, and play on top of one of them. Hey, right? my gaming table gets delivered on Monday, sir. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. So the question I had for you with Gone Viking and Give It to the King. Give It to the King. Now, you ran that back before Kickstarter had the Canadian side of things, if I'm rem- remembering correctly, right? That's correct. Okay. Yep. So this time you're running it on the Canadian side and, and you know, looking for Canadian dollars. Have you noticed any effect because of that at all? So 
it was interesting because I approached Kickstarter about this and I said, even though we're in Canada, can I actually just use U.S. currency? Like, and they said, no, no way, can't do that. So I toyed with the idea of, you know, like some other people are doing with running it through a uh, LLC in the United States, which was another option. But instead, what I did was I put the U.S. dollar value on all the pledge levels. So it actually says how much money each person's spending in U.S. dollars, but it listed in Canadian dollars above that where the actual pledge level is. So it's clearly indicated for people. And I think what that did was it made it so that it wasn't such a, oh, I don't want to spend Canadian dollars or something, you know, like that kind of, I haven't had any feedback, any negative feedback about that. Whether it's affecting the campaign, I really don't know. But uh, in terms of the feedback, I haven't had any. And to be honest, I mean, it's... I don't really get why people wouldn't want to. It's not, I don't think it's really any skin off anybody's back to spend it in whatever currency. Maybe I'm just saying that because I'm used to only spending U.S. dollars, which <laughs> get taken out of my Canadian bank account. So it doesn't, you know, it's yeah. like, I don't know. We're living in this world where we're spending currency all over the world. So I don't, it's not affecting me from what I can see. I don't, I don't know whether it will. In, Unless we don't fund, maybe I can blame it on that. <laughs> well, the only only thing I could potentially think of is that there are credit cards that will charge you extra for doing a different currency, for charging a different currency to them. Right. That's what some people have said. Uh, not to me yet, but I've just sort of heard that yeah. sort of floating through the Internet. But uh, I kind of it's almost like I didn't have a choice in this matter because we're here. They wanted us to run it in Canadian Canadian dollars. I don't know how. I mean, I, I guess I could have done it the way I did it last time with an American company. But anyway, we're giving it a shot this way, and I'm hoping that it pans out because we're in Canada, so <laughs> we should be charging Canadian dollars. No, I don't have an issue with it at all, I think. Yeah. And, and I'm sure you will do fine. I just, it's one of those things, like, I, I noticed it, and I, and I, when I was getting ready for us to talk, I was like, Give It to the King was run before the Canadian side was. So, I, you know, I put that kind of thought in my head and I just wanted to know if you had actually noticed anything or heard from anybody just because I think you're one of the first people I, I've actually had a chance to re-talk to that has since that switch is, is taken place and, and has taken advantage of of being able to run it more locally for yourself yeah I was going to say the the interesting thing was the give it to the king campaign the one that we the last one we ran had uh, it overlapped so I was a little worried about that as it was transitioning into having Canadian Kickstarter. I'm like, are they going to shut me down? Or are they going <laughs> to? <laughs> so anyways, I talked to Kickstarter about that and they said, well, anything that's running now can stay running. But because we're registered on Kickstarter as Canadian, now there was no option to do it any other way. Okay. And before we get too much farther into here, I just want to point out that Gone Viking is running and is on Kickstarter right now. It's going until April 1st, 2014. No, that is not a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it is legitimately running until April 1st. April Fool's Day. Yep. <laughs> Josh is looking for $5,000 Canadian and he's got a little over 2,500 at the moment. So he is a little over halfway there. If last time I checked. Go on out there and check it out. And, of course, we're going to keep talking here a bit. Uh, and I will remind you again at the end. And another reminder is it will be in the show notes. All right. So Gone Viking is out there. Uh, how, how are you feeling about the campaign so far? We're pretty happy because we've been going for, uh, we started Monday. It's Thursday now. So it's four days. We're halfway there. Uh, we're feeling pretty positive about it. We got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, I mean, it's going well. A lot of 
people are doing reviews for us, which we are pretty appreciative of. And uh, a lot of nice folks like you guys are taking the time to chat with us. So it's great. Yeah, it's you've been on a, a podcast circuit lately. You know, uh, <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's just amazing, man. I feel like a celebrity for 20 seconds every day. It's great. <laughs> now, am I remembering correctly? Were we like your first podcast back in the for day? Sh- oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> and look at you now. I knew you when. That's right. Back in the day. Like what? Five, six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, I, actually I'm I'm loving it. It's a great time. Like when we spoke the last time, I had a great time doing it. And this time it was like, okay. Let's do a few more kind of chats as opposed to having other people talk about Gone Viking. Let's all get out there. I'll talk about it a bit more. And um, I think it puts a little bit of a face or not a face in this case, but a voice to the actual project itself and the flux capacity. And I think that's the way I kind of want to represent it. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 been great. And um, and I think there might be a few more coming up. Hey. Just got to check my schedule because it's crazy <laughs> right now. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, yeah, I. I absolutely agree with you. I, I love doing these interviews, not just because it's, you know, part of my content, but because I like talking to everybody I get to talk to. And I'm having an awesome time right now because I've had a bunch of return guests, which is cool to me. I, you know, it's kind of like catching up with old friends, but I like the interviews also from the perspective of I get to put a personality and put a person behind the project. And that's really one of my goals. So I, I've had people contact me and let me know it's like hey i i've known or listened to that person elsewhere and and i got a whole different perspective on them from listening to your interview with them and stuff like that which i think is really cool uh and of course i also always enjoy when somebody says hey i listened to that and went out and backed it because that's that's a great thing for everybody to hear for sure (laughs) but no i that's i completely agree with you i like the I, i like that route i like getting your voice out there and getting your personality and stuff out there and letting everybody know, yeah, there, there are people behind these projects. It's not just the game and maybe not everybody's looking for that, but that's a cool thing to me anyway. Well, I think what's interesting too, is that like there's this stigma of geeks and nerds and what being so introverted, first of all, but when you look at gamers and board gamers and stuff like that and the nature of what they do, they're actually out there being very social and playing games with people and having this kind of like sort of, I guess, uh, approach where you're, chatting about things as opposed to just presenting it on a website that everybody there's so many websites out there why can't you just present it anywhere right i mean we're on kickstarter and that's the form we're using but it's so nice to be able to have that other human element of it which is talking to people and and saying listen we've got this great project it's an awesome game and check it out if you like it i think that adds a whole other dimension to it like you're saying right oh definitely and it's again it's just more personable and and I enjoy getting to know the people behind it and what some of their thought process is and all that good stuff and, you know, how they're handling the Kickstarter process, whether they be they're new or uh, they're coming back to it, but different style of game or anything like that. There's always something that comes out, right? It's like, uh, I, I don't know how many people I've talked to and, and it's like, well, this is your ex x you know project how how is it going now well here's what i learned this time <laughs> yeah exactly i'm <laughs> developing a weird twitch and i can't figure that out <laughs> this time around yeah so you know here's a question for you since you're back on kickstarter now with gone viking uh and this is one uh i've been asking a, a lot recently was there a design in the design phase that you're aware of thought into we need to have stretch goals did it affect design that you're aware of 
On this one, no, not as much. This game was a different theme when I first played it. And when Francois and I talked about publishing it, we talked about how can we make a theme better fit this game and tweak it a little bit because it needed sort of a, a, a meteor theme. And we thought that the nature of what you're doing in this game is very Viking-esque because it didn't fit the space pirate zombie kind of mentality that we had seen on Kickstarter before. So we were just like, let's do a Viking game or whatever. And now there's a few Viking games that have popped up since we made the decision, but uh, that's okay. Anyway, the stretch goals we have planned are, are sort of to improve the game a little bit, just in terms of the component quality. We're not going to change the game very much. This is a very simple campaign. We're not doing anything extraordinary here we wanted to just bring a great game and we have a relatively low funding goal i, I know we we kind of chatted a lot about on that on facebook recently about low funding goals and things like that but <laughs> we have a a realistic funding funding goal that will allow us to print the game no problem and then the next campaign we have coming out is probably more stereotypically a kickstarter campaign so this is kind of a warm-up to that and we're actually about to announce something which will probably be public once your once your podcast. When is this going live? Uh, I will probably have this out either Saturday or Sunday. Okay, so maybe not quite yet. We will have an <laughs> announcement um, <laughs> very soon about how these campaigns can be kind of mishmashed together a little bit. Because the next one we're running is in May. Well, I tell you what, if uh, when you have your announcement, if you just want to hit me up and do the quick announcement, I can include it in one of the other recordings, like either the main podcast or Geek News or something. So if sure. that's something you're interested in, just let me know. Sure, of course. Yeah. <laughs> always willing to talk to you, Josh. Awesome. I'm always willing to talk to you. <laughs> it's good. I feel validated now. <laughs> I have a friend. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I put words in your mouth. <laughs> That's right. Don't speak for me, Jeff. <laughs> I have a tendency to do that. That's that's what happens when you put a mic in front of somebody. Oh, God. Yeah. Out of control, man. Stay in your lane. <laughs> okay. So let me go ahead and, and ask you this one then. We've talked about Gone Viking. It's out there. You're doing really well. I see no issues here. If you want to go ahead and throw the cautiously optimistic line at me like I've been hearing recently, go ahead. <laughs> uh, yes, we're hoping to hit our funding goal by April 1st, this kind of cautiously optimistic way. <laughs> but let's say somebody is you know, checking out the page and uh, they're kind of on the fence. They're like, yeah, Gone Viking might be something I'd be interested in. What are a couple things that you would tell them to, to make them go, yeah, this is definitely something I need to back right now? Well, I guess the only thing that I could say that people might be on the fence about is whether they're into trick-taking card games or not. And the thing about trick-taking card games, I think, in the past, that they've been very... I mean, some of them are great. I don't know if you play a Euchre and things like that. Like uh, Games like that, I think, are great, and they're great for a rainy day at the cottage or even between games because they play pretty quickly. This game plays in 30, 45 minutes, something like that. But this definitely adds a whole level of decision-making to trick-taking card game, which you don't get with a lot of other ones, because there are these Viking gods. They are they do have powers during the game. They have powers after the game if they're the last god standing. And then there's all these decisions about whether you use them as a god or whether you use them to take the trick that you need to get the ships. Or you know, there's so many decisions that you're kind of you're actually riding the fence, I guess, during the game the whole time about which way you want to play it. And you have to be a little dynamic because it's going to change depending on how aggressive or passive the players are that you're playing with. So it's a great game. I, I love it. I've loved it since the minute I played it. I wouldn't have put it on Kickstarter if I didn't love it. And I certainly think that it's a game that 
that people should have on their shelves for sure. Excellent. And yeah, like I said, hopefully uh, here soon we'll be able to throw up a preview video uh, and give you our initial impressions uh, as well. Well, Josh, I think we're kind of coming towards the end of our time here. So I want to thank you for hanging out with me. It's my pleasure. Dad. So You can call me friend anytime. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Validation. <laughs> as long as you click like on Facebook, you can be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've already crossed that bridge a long time ago. <laughs> I think so. So then we, we can say we're friends. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, before I let you go, though, I just want to uh, point out a couple different things. Uh, you, you've heard it here a few times. Josh is very big in taking flux capacity as well, his company, uh, into the community realm of the gaming space. And that is something that I am 100% behind. It's, it's one of the things that keeps me doing what I do. So it's one of many reasons that I love having conversations with Josh. And of course, as we pointed out here in this episode, he is doing a contest with us. Uh, so you can check that out to give, give back to the community. Uh, he's also doing the contest over at the game crafter to give back to the community. So definitely go on out, check out gone Viking, uh, decide if it's something that you might be interested in. Again, it's going until April 1st, 2014. He's looking for 5,000. He's got over halfway there already uh, and going until April 1st. So give him some love, give him some support, give back to the community. All right, Josh. Thank you once again for hanging out with me, man. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, man. Anytime you want to chat, you let me know. All right. So, again, go check that project out, and I will be uh, back soon, actually. I think I have another interview tomorrow night, so we're trying to play catch-up from the time off. So uh, we'll be talking to more people soon. 